0: Welcome back to On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast. A devastating milestone. 2023 has been a record-breaking year for mass shootings in the U.S. Last week, the Washington Post marked 38 mass shootings in the country. 197 people, not including the shooters, were killed in these incidents. Meanwhile, the production of guns is rising. The online news outlet The Trace analyzed data from the Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives. It found that from 2015 to 2019, gun companies manufactured 13 million firearms a year for the domestic market. In 2020, that figure jumped to 17 million guns. What requirements face those who wish to purchase guns, and how are those regulations or the removal of those regulations linked to gun violence? Daniel Webster is Bloomberg Professor of American Health in the Bloomberg School's Department of Health Policy and Management, and he's Distinguished Research Scholar at the Johns Hopkins Center for Gun Violence Solutions. Thanks for joining us again.
1: Good to be with you.
0: You recently published a study in the journal Criminology and Public Policy looking at concealed carry laws. What what prompted this research?
1: Well, there's been remarkable change over years in how states regulate civilian concealed gun carrying. Uh, if you go way back, you know, um, to the 80s, most states there was just no legal way for civilians to carry a concealed gun around in most situations. So over a span of decades, there've been a lot of changes to make it easier for civilians to legally carry concealed guns out in public places or, or in their motor vehicles. But in the most recent years, in particular, in the predominantly Republican states, uh, many states have been going from to, to completely unregulated um, civilian carrying of concealed firearms. And um, so our center, and, and me in particular, uh, we've been studying um, how changes in state gun laws affect rates of gun violence. And this is perhaps one of the most um, consistent and dramatic Deregulation of guns that we've seen.
0: Well, you looked at eleven states that removed regulations around concealed carry permits. Give us a sense of the spectrum of regulations uh, that states required.
1: Yeah, so you know we studied over a span of many decades uh, gun violence and the policy changes throughout that that time period. And as I mentioned before, there was there was an era in which. Um, some states completely, there was no process to, to legally carry a civilian unless you fell into some particular category of, um, you know, armed security or something like that. Um, but for many years, Maryland and, and several other states had a discretionary type of uh, issuing of licenses to carry concealed guns uh, that typically it was referred to as may issue. You may, the law enforcement may issue the license, but they don't have to if you would apply. And for many years, um, Maryland and many other states that had may issue, did not issue many permits or licenses to carry concealed firearms. Another type of uh, regime, if you will, or, or way to regulate uh, concealed gun carrying is uh, to remove discretion from law enforcement, set out the basic standards, uh, and generally they start with um, whether you're in some prohibited category, like you've been convicted of a felony crime, you have an active restraining order against you for domestic violence, for example. Those kind of things would disqualify you, not only from legally possessing a gun, but from legally carrying a gun as well. And, and so those types of regimes would refer to a shall issue. It's, there was no discretion there. If you met the standards and sometimes the standards also required some type of safety training um, in order to get a, a license to, to carry concealed guns. Uh, and that safety training also varied a bit. And, and actually that came out as something meaningful in, in our analysis. And then finally, the completely deregulated, which we refer to as permitless carry, uh, again was um, basically there's no legal requirement for a civilian to uh, carry a concealed firearm as long as he or she is not, you know, already prohibited from possessing a gun, period.
0: About possession, before I ask you more about your research, how are the regulations you describe different from permit to purchase requirements?
1: Yeah, thank you for uh, asking that. Um, There's some states, and and Maryland is one, where there's also licenses simply to purchase. And in some cases, uh, Illinois comes to mind, and Hawaii, there's a license to own a gun. So what we're talking about in this study uh, only pertains to carrying firearms outside the home uh, concealed, and, and carry generally also means um, within motor vehicles as well as, you know, just walking around with with a gun.
0: So 27 states currently allow carrying a concealed weapon without a permit. Why focus on just 11 states?
1: Well, we had to have enough data. That was sort of the, uh, the limiting factor here. And some of those states only uh, changed their laws quite recently. So we really didn't have enough before and after uh, data to, to say anything about the, a broader number of states.
0: That's Daniel Webster of the Johns Hopkins Center for Gun Violence Solutions. Here on The Record on WIPR, I'm Sheila Cast. We're talking about research into concealed carry licensing. So tell me what you found. How does the removal of concealed carry regulations affect public health?
1: The devil's in the details, basically, and sort of what the change really meant. So one thing to underscore is that they had pretty, you know, relatively lax laws to get a, a, a license or permit to get a, a, a gun to begin with. so And, and they had, that had been the case for a fairly long period of time. So when we looked at this change from a generally easy to get license to no license required, we looked at all of them combined, we did not see a statistically significant change. But what we found is that in the states that previously required safety training, including being have, being, have to ac- actually fire a gun in your safety training class, and in some cases actually demonstrate that you can safely do that. When that was lost, when that those provisions went away, we saw a rather large increase in assaults with firearms, a 32% increase in assaults with firearms, when uh, civilians were no longer required to get a license that required live fire uh, safety training. Almost
0: a third. And again, when you say you saw that increase, you saw that in the data, not in right. the Right. This result- is
1: all based, up, excuse me, this is all based, of course, on statistical modeling, which is any, you know, scientific study of a policy change, wants to uh, not only to. Generally describe how, uh, in this case, rates of uh, firearm-related violence changed. But how did it change in relation to to states that didn't make these policy changes? And after you control for other factors that are changing uh, across states that that influence rates of gun violence, so we account for those kind of things in our statistical model to come up with what we refer to as causal effects. And 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 our findings are robust to different sort of model specifications or assumptions. Um, I'll also mention uh, one thing that I think is important, which is another study that we published looking at the effects of permitless carry, change to permitless carry on shootings of law enforcement officers of civilians. Uh, What we found is a a 13% increase in such shootings, when states change their laws to uh, no longer require any license or permit to carry concealed firearms. And the logic here, of course, is that when police are going about their jobs of responding to a variety of things that they respond to, in a permitless carry environment, they're they're gonna encounter a whole lot more people who have firearms when they encounter them. And that is one of the factors that honestly is most important in, in whether police end up shooting the person that they're dealing with. If, if they have a firearm or doing something perceived to be threatening, uh, or in some cases actually shooting at law enforcement or other individuals. So anyway, what we found again here is a 13% increase in uh, shootings by police of civilians.
0: So what are the policy implications of your research?
1: I I think they're pretty straightforward, Um, and they actually reinforce yet another separate study that we published in in 2022, where we looked at the change from may issue or discretionary concealed carry licensing to um, more permissive, uh, non-discretionary or shall issue licensing. We found that Overall, roughly a 10% increase in assaults with guns with that change. But the, the harmful effects were greatest when people with violent uh, histories were still able to get a concealed carry license and when uh, the licensing requirements were so lax that they didn't require uh, safety training. So they reinforce this general idea that, you know, a, a regulation and standards for who can. Walk and drive around with a loaded uh, firearm uh, have important implications for public safety, uh, most directly with increasing assaults with guns.
0: Well, does the public agree with these rulings that make it easier to carry concealed?
1: Very few people favor policies that require, the, uh, uh, you know, no license or, or any any sort of vetting process for. Uh, people to carry concealed guns around in public places. We find that even gun owners, if you just look at gun owners, they do not support that type of policy. And even individuals who identify as Republicans in polls do not support what many consider to be a relatively radical policy. That there's no vetting, no licensing, no regulation whatsoever of who can walk and and, and walk around and drive around with with loaded uh, lethal weapons uh, concealed.
0: I mentioned the U.S. set a record for mass shootings this year. Do you, do you see a connection between this peak and the number of states relaxing requirements for concealed carry licensing?
1: Well, we haven't looked at that directly with this change to permitless carry because it's a relatively recent phenomenon with a lot of states going this direction. But I did publish a study in 2020 uh, with my colleagues here that looked at the association between state uh, uh, gun laws and fatal mass shooting rates, and we found no protective effects of making it easier for civilians to carry concealed weapons, we did find a protective effect for licensing requirements to purchase firearms. So generally, a licensing process is protective against fatal mass shootings. And, you know, it's I think it's very common when uh, we see a, a horrific mass shooting, everyone is is aghast and and finds this problematic. But some individuals, of course, come to different conclusions about what the solution is. Some say, well, we need better regulations to make those things less common. And other people say precisely the opposite, which is if we only had more civilians ready and willing to jump in and and take on someone who's gonna try to commit a mass shooting, we'd have fewer of these occur. But the data simply do not support that hypothesis or theory at all. If anything, it's the opposite.
0: Gun violence feels like an intractable problem in America. Is there an area where you see progress?
1: Well, look, we we recently went through some really historic national increases in in gun violence, principally between um, 2019 and 2020, and it remained high for a couple years. The data uh, for this year, are very encouraging. Appear, appears to be a, a downward trend. We're seeing that in Baltimore. We're seeing that in, in, in many other cities. That is encouraging. I don't want people to be hopeless that this is something that we can't address. I do think that there, you know, the the, the Supreme Court has made certain policies more challenging or, or less clear about uh, their constitutionality. But we do have a body of evidence showing that um, policies that have generally been upheld by courts, like purchaser licensing, like safe storage requirements, mandatory waiting periods, restrictions for people who are under restraining orders for domestic violence, all of those policies show fairly robust protective effects in population-wide rates of firearm violence. And uh, in the case of licensing for purchasers, we see it on many different kind of outcomes, overall homicides, mass shootings, shootings involving law enforcement, uh, suicides, a- and diversions of guns for cr- use in crime, other- otherwise thought of as trafficking. All of those things are reduced by an appropriate licensing system for purchasers. And on the concealed carry side, again, we see more protective effects the tighter the licensing requirements are.
0: Thank you for talking with us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Daniel Webster is Bloomberg Professor of American Health in the Bloomberg School's Department of Health Policy and Management and Distinguished Research Scholar at the Johns Hopkins Center for Gun Violence Solutions. At the On the Record page at WIPR.org, we have links to recent research published by the center, including the study on permitless concealed carry states. I'm Sheila Cass. Glad you're with us on The Record. Come back tomorrow.